I just want to start uh, speaking this morning, uh, reading a verse from 1 John 1. And uh, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, life. And the life became the light of man. The light shone in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. I want to read a second verse. It's from 1 John 1, verse 7. And it says, We should live in the light where God is. If we live in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And the blood sacrifice of Jesus, God's Son, washes away every sin and makes us clean. And I'll pray. Father, we thank you, God, that you are the great light. You are the great hope. You've brought hope into our worlds, light into our life. We thank you that you bring that hope into our world, that every day, we have something to guide us, to illuminate our, way, illuminate our way and journey with us. Father, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, speak to us as we look at your principles today. In Jesus' name. How many here, when you made a decision to follow Jesus, and hopefully we've all made that decision, but, but you made the decision and when you... Ask Jesus to come into your life. You made that decision that it would be absolutely every part of your life, absolutely every part of your world for the rest of your life, regardless of how long that would be. How many, how many remember praying that prayer? Okay, three of us. <laughs> I, I know there's more of us. You know, when I, when I came to God as a 15-year-old, I just knew before I came that if I was going to serve God, it was going to be with absolutely every part of me. There was not going to be an all or a halfway. It was absolutely going to be all or nothing in my world. And, and I took some time because that's a big decision, isn't it? Because you're deciding what you're going to spend the rest of your life doing. You know, if we think about an occupation, moving into a new occupation or, or studies at university, we take some time to make that decision well because it affects the rest of our lives. I took some time. I took weeks. I watched believers. Were they the real deal? Or were they just religious people telling me, tricking me, being tricksies? I watched them closely. You know, I asked God to reveal himself. I said uh, quietly, no one knew. I said, you know, if you're real, show me you're real. Reveal yourself to me and I will serve you. And then one day I was driving along and, and I've told you my testimony before, but I came to a point where I said, okay, okay, I know and I give you my life. I give you my life today. I didn't come forward at any altar call. There was no fireworks there was no, you know, big explosion, no eruption. 
it was just me in a car. I made a quiet decision that I would follow God for the rest of my life. And to the best of my ability, I've, I've tried to live that out. It's not always been perfect. It's been messy. It was certainly messier at the start than it is now, but it's still messy to God. I'm still a train wreck. You know, we're all train wrecks. Don't you laugh? You're a train wreck too. <laughs> you know, but we're all a work in progress. We're all a piece of clay on the potter's, um, you know, wheel. And he's all working on us. And, uh, you know, we need to walk and live in his light. He, he, Jesus, when he came, he talked to Israel and he said, you know, he, he painted a picture and he, he was talking to Israel as a nation, but he was talking to individuals as individuals. So he was speaking both collectively to a nation, but also individually to people in their lives. And, and he said, you're, you're, you're a city built on a hill. You're meant to shine to the world. You're meant to illuminate this world. But his problem with, with Israel was the light had become so dim. In his eyes, it probably the batteries had run out some hundreds of years before, and it basically had stopped shining, doing what it was meant to do. But, but Jesus was calling Israel and the individual believers back to himself, back to be recharged, re-energized, re-illuminated, so they could take up their place back on the hill and shine. And, and the challenge that I realize is it's a challenge to us as a church to be illuminated uh, in this world and be a powerful light that guides this world and guides where we should go as a world, but also to us as individuals that we are to illuminate others. We are to come into the lives of others. And people should know they've been in the presence of believers. Now, I don't mean we're all super spooky because those kind of people freak me out a little bit. Super spooky people, you know. You know? I just mean natural, normal people. But you can tell that they carry something powerful. You can tell when you've been around a person that carries God with them because there's something you can't put your finger on, but there's a, a kind of an atmosphere of peace that almost travels with them. We call it the Holy Spirit, don't we? We know that they're illuminated. We, we don't see it with our eyes. We may see it with our eyes, but we, we probably don't. We sense it with our spirit and everything. And it's actually the Holy Spirit is cocooning them. And actually we can sense that there is some uh, kind of force that we know is the Holy Spirit with them. That they walk in peace it may not always be an easy road. We know, I know people here that walk in peace, but they don't walk through peaceful times. You know, they have health issues. They have pe- loved ones, you know, passing away and whatnot. So it's not always easy, but the, but the Holy Spirit is journeying with us. And as I think about this this week, I think about five areas that I think God wants to journey with us and bring his light into our worlds with. And the first one is with his relationship. Our relationship with God is the first area. So you can put God for the first area. God wants us to live closely with him. God wants us to live intimately with him and bring everything before him. And one thing that springs to mind is the fact that we can have a life that's 
that we think is is uh, second best to God's. You know, we can have areas of uh, sin in that. We can have uh, struggles that we're going through, and we kind of think, well, God's over here. He's holy, and I, on a good day, I'm at Lane Park Church today, so I'm kind of, you know, I'm like about one percent down the way maybe, but then there's these other six kind of days and where I'm kind of point one of the way down here, um, but I just won't tell God about that and he won't know about it, you know, so we don't, we don't bring it under God's light, we don't bring it before God so that he can actually journey with us and help us with it, but we actually kind of, and so we actually live a, a kind of a dis- defeated life because the six days that we don't bring it to God, we struggle by ourselves with it, you know, behavioral-based, trying to overcome, you know, trying to be a better person, trying to be a better husband, better boyfriend, better wife, better girlfriend, better mum, better dad, better brother, better sister, you know. But the problem is that our, our fleshliness is weak and it fails us. And the best success that I've had in God is where I've actually bought areas that aren't stacking up with God to him. And I've said, I, I can't deal with this. It's too hard. You've got to do it. You've got to help me. You know, you've got to help me with the tools. It doesn't, and it's not a cop out. It's not where I say, well, I failed again. It's your fault because you were meant to help me, you know. But what I'm, what I'm doing is actually opening up my world to God and saying, you know, can we go on this journey together? Not, I'm compartmentalized over here, you're over here, you're holy, I'm unholy, and I'll stay away from you because I just don't feel like I measure up. What I'm actually doing is bringing my mess into his light so that his light can help sort out my mess. And along the way... He gives us the tools. He puts people around us. And there's a whole bunch of things that we can do. And we need to sometimes take practical steps. We need to talk to people uh, who've been around a while. We need to sometimes, if we're um, having hassles and areas and that, sometimes we need to talk to people and, and have some people who hold us accountable in some areas. And will actually catch up with us and say, how are you doing? How are you doing in this area of your life? How's your marriage going in this area? What's happening here, you know? And it's not all judgmental. It's just to help us. And, to, and sometimes we need people asking us those questions to actually journey with us. And they actually become little lights of God that actually help us as well because we're, we're in each other's world to illuminate each other's world as well as God illuminate us. So that's the first one. Let God into your world. And bring yourself into God's light. You know that scripture that I read out? I realize can be reworded. This is 1 John 1. And I thought the opposite. You know, it says, it says if we live in the light where God is, uh, if we if we live in the light where God is, sorry, I'm just rewording it away from how I've written it. So um, we will live in the light. We will have fellowship with each other. And the blood sacrifice of Jesus, God's son, will wash away every sin and make us clean. If we choose not to, 
and we choose to live in darkness and keep it separate from God, the opposite can be so. So this is how I've reworded it. If we don't live in the light where God is, we won't live in the light or have fellowship with one another. And the blood sacrifice of Jesus, God's son, will not wash away our every sin or make us clean. You see, when we choose not to live in God's life, there's consequences. We have free will. God, God respects free will. But when we choose to live in the light, we get all that blessing that comes with us, that comes with it. God forgives our sins. God cleanses us. We have fellowship with one another and our sin, and our sin is forgiven. And we are clean. Isn't that cool? Super cool. Second part, second point, and that's our family life. God wants to bring his illumination into our family life. And he wants every part. You know, at times, we struggle. We struggle in family life. We struggle as people, don't we? You know, is there anyone who's never had an issue with someone? Okay, we're all, we're all normal. Is there anyone who's never had an issue with a couple of people? I won't go any further. But, you know, on this world, we have issues with other people. We, you know, and God uses it to, to knock corners off us and, and sand us down and, and get rid of rough edges and that. But it's difficult. And when we move into family life where we're even living even closer and people know us so intimately and they know how to push the buttons that really grind our gears. How many, how many have had that done? Don't put your hands up. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes we can have people who push our buttons and sometimes they're not even trying. Some, you know, sometimes we just push each other's buttons and we're not even, and, you know, sincerely, we're, we're trying the best for each other, but we're, we just grind each other a bit, um, gears and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it gets tricky. But we should always bring that before God. You know, if you're in a marriage today, do you bring your marriage to God? Do you bring your marriage before the light of God? Do you bring all the hassles that are happening in your marriage to God? Do you bring, do you bring them before him and, 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 you know, and say, I need your help in this area. It's not working. Because guess what? He wants to bring illumination into your marriage as well. He wants to bring illumination into your, your spouse's worlds. You know, if you're, if you're not married, but you're, you're in a relationship with someone else, he wants to illuminate that. In family life between brothers and sisters and, and uncles and aunties and, and whatnot, he wants to bring healing and wholeness into every single aspect of family life. Because he's a God of wholeness, isn't he? He's not a God that comes into your world and he leaves you broken. He comes to repair the broken. He comes to restore that which was taken. You know, he comes to bring sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. And so he wants in our family life as well. So there's, again, there's some practical steps we can take in family life. And, I mean, Gina and I, um, you know, we haven't always had a perfect marriage. 
our first couple of years, I remember, and I, I think Gina found this quite difficult, but I remember saying to my friends early on in my marriage, I'm wise, wise enough not to say it now, but I remember saying, I reckon just get rid of, like just forget about the first two years of your marriage. Just write them off as a bad experience. <laughs> now, for most of you, you're probably, and, and look at, I mean, look at the amazing person I'm married to. It was all actually about me, not about her. Uh, but, you know, w- what I realized is you suddenly come together with a person you've never lived before. You've lived with your family, but you've grown up and learned to live together. And you've, and you've fought like cats and dogs with siblings, or maybe you didn't, maybe you're perfect. I fought like cats and dogs with my siblings, or five, and, five brothers and four sisters. But, you know, but suddenly you're thrust together with a person you haven't lived with together, and that could take some working out. It's not easy all the time. Sometimes it is easy. There are some people that get married and they're just, it's just like, wow, they got it together, you know? It's like people looked at me and went, wow, he's got it apart, you know? <laughs> you know, I was messy. I was, t- I was a train wreck emotionally and a train wreck, you know, I, I, I couldn't talk about issues with Gina, I'd just clam up and Gina would, Gina would be saying, this is broken, you know, like this isn't going so well. And the more she tried to talk, the more I clammed up because I didn't, you know, I hadn't had that great example of being able to talk to people. So I just went inward and the more she said, you just won't say anything. And I, the more she said that, the more I went inward. It was a vicious cycle. I had to learn some skills and learn some ways to get through it to actually be able to bring some gold into the marriage. In marriage, if there's areas in your marriage that aren't working, get some help. I, one, I, I remember one uh, time where uh, we watched a video series. It was called, uh, I think it's Hidden Keys to a Successful Marriage by uh, Dr. Gary Smalley. Sadly, he died about four years ago, but there's lots and lots of video material that he did. And he talked a lot about communication within marriage between uh, partners and whatnot. And, and I remember we devoted time and we watched a lot of those. And, and there were some that we watched over and over because they were special attention areas, you know. When a little bit more work required, you know, is what the teachers would write on my, most of my assignment stuff at school. More effort required, you know. So we put a bit more effort in here and there. And guess what? It started to work. It started to work. It got better. And, and the thing was, the issues didn't always go away, but we were, we were together going in the same direction, and we both knew that we wanted to succeed. There's success right there. You're both going in the same direction. You're not pulling away. You're pulling together, and you're, and you're saying, well, yeah, it's a bit messy, but we love each other. We're going to get through it, and it will get better. And as you carry on in marriage you become more like each other, I reckon. Some of the, you know, you find a common ground and maybe you, maybe, maybe you don't become more like each other. Maybe, maybe just you, you find more common ground and you feel like you're a bit more together um, and a bit more alike. So get some help in some areas. If you're struggling in any area, it, it, you know, it may not be a marriage area, it may be another area, but talk to people. Get help. God can restore marriages. We've got lots of friends. 
I was thinking about a couple of them. We had, we had one friend, um, how old was Maxine when she got pregnant? 13? Okay. Uh, we have some friends, they were wayward friends. They were, they were not in church. They were, um, came up uh, in difficult circumstances. But she, he, I think, might have been 15. She was 13, got her pregnant at 13. I think when she was 14 or 15, got her pregnant again, second child. They ended up together leaving school and uh, moving in together and were together. And as you can imagine, I mean, kids that age are not, they have no skills, you know, they have no strategies, they have no idea of what they're doing when things go wrong. And they went and they stayed together for years, but then they split, and then our friend um, Graham got saved. And uh, long story short, Maxine got saved as well. Finally, gave in to God. She fought God hard. She really fought God hard. She didn't want anything to do with God, anything to do with what Graham had. But she got saved, and they started a new journey together as a married couple. And guess what? They're now, I think Graham's coming up, he'd be closing in probably about 58, 60 years old. Uh, Maxine is a couple behind, and they're still happily married, going for God, running hard, you know? What a turnaround. We've got some other friends, they were uh, together in, in similar kind of circumstances, uh, just everything had gone wrong, he had uh, wandering eyes, um, they weren't in church, you know, they were into the band scenes, they were in some of the top bands in the country and that, and uh, drugs and uh, womanizing and just everything, the whole gamut, uh, completely apart, but Billy got saved, and then eventually Trieste got saved, and they started a journey as a new couple in God, and guess what, they're still together, you know? Many, many, many years up together, and they're still together. Why? Because they started a journey, and they let God into their world, and he illuminated their world, and he worked it out with them. It doesn't mean it was perfect. They would have still had warts and wrinkles and things to travel through and that, but God was on the journey with them. So when we let God come into our path, into our journey, and, and journey with him, he helps us to work it out. Third area, our workplace. Oh, sorry, before I get to that, all others, all others. You know, and that includes family, uh, family I've covered, but friends, church, and people we, you know, know through work and everything, um, and our friend, friendships and that. God wants to bring illumination into their world. How do we impact them when they see us? You know, if, if my friends, if you were to say to my friends, Dean, did you know Dino? He's one of those churches. He goes to that church. What's it called? Oh, I think it's Lane Park Church. I wonder what they'd say. Would they say, you're kidding me? No way. Man, I never would have thought he was a, not that guy. Flip. He's a shocker. Some of the dodgy deals he did. You know, you should have seen what he was up to last week. You know, imagine, you know, what would they say about us if our friends knew? 
Or do we let people in and people know that we journey with God? And, and, they, and we're real enough that they know we're not perfect and we're not higher than thou kind of, you know, pious and, and whatnot. We're just the real deal. We're imperfect and we're doing a journey with God. So God wants to come into our world and he wants us to not only have him illuminating us, but he wants us getting illuminated from the light and illuminating our friends' lives. So God has a plan for them. The workplace. How, fourth one. The workplace. God wants to illuminate your workplace. Same question. If I was to come into your workplace tomorrow and said, how's Bob, you know, how's Bob, and I'm not meaning any Bob here, okay? I mean the Bob down the road at the other church down that way, you know? How How is Bob? Did you know he goes to church? They're like, what? That rotten scoundrel. You know? Well, flip. If he goes to that church, I'm not going to that church. Guy's a flipping mongrel, you know? Or would they say, wow, yeah, I knew there was something about him. I, I even wish it would be a bit more than that. Because it still means he's keeping it quiet, keeping it on the down low. Do people actually know what you believe? Like, I, and I, you know, when I was policing, I had this rule with myself. And it was, I didn't ram the gospel down anyone's throat. But if they happen to be in a car with me and they bring it up, then the guns come out. <laughs> you know? And I still don't ram it down their throat. You know, I'm really chilled and really relaxed. But if they want to bring it up and talk about it, they're free to. But, but I don't, you know, just ram it down their throat because they shut down and they're just, and then in the end they're like, I don't want to be rostered in the car with him because he's a flipping religious nut and he just, you know, preaches at me the whole time and dry, does my head in. And I just want to, you know, I want to jump out at, you know, 80K, <laughs> you know, because he just won't shut up, you know. <laughs> So, so, you know, but everyone on my section knew that I went to church. And they'd have some fun sometimes along, along the way and give me a bit of ribbing and that. But they knew when, when we went to jobs, they could depend on me. And they knew that off the ball, you know, in the car, in their marriage problems, they could raise those with me as well. So they could rely on me at the jobs, but they could rely on me because they knew that I, that I had someone in my life and that person was God. And they knew that they could entrust me to stuff and, and talk to me about issues of the heart. In your workplace, do you work with people and do they know that they can talk to you about issues of the heart? You know, when things are broken, when things aren't going well, can they raise them with you? Or do they know not? you know, not know what you're into. There's surely a balance, isn't there? And the last one is the world. God wants to illuminate us in our world. You know, the Bible says that we're to be in the world, but not of the world. So there is a separation. We're not, and I, I don't think we're, 
to be under the living under the systems of the world, if I can put it that way. I don't think we should be bound up and concerned about every political thing or every cause that comes along and taking it up as if it's that's all that matters in our life. Doesn't mean you you may not you may have political kind of concern and and we sh- we should because we should care about our world. But I just mean that's not what drives you. That's not what causes your heart to beat. It's the thing that should cause your heart to beat is God. The thing that should cause your heart to beat is lost people in this world. Because God doesn't actually care. I just think it through before because I know some of you will go, I don't believe that. You know, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't, I don't really think God cares whether it's a national or a labor government he cares about the people of this country more than the political systems if if I can separate that out and I know that's probably a bit messy without talking about it at length Um, but God is concerned about people yes he created a world he made it incredibly beautiful like there's stuff in this world that just rocks my world you know, it just, I just look at it and I just, it just blows me away, still blows me away. You know, I was looking at some of it yesterday um, and it's just like flip. It's so incredible. Uh, but God, I think God cares about that, but he cares about his creation that he put in the world. That, so he made a home, but the home was for the one he wanted to journey with. That's you and I. He cares about us deeply. So we are to care about others deeply. If we're going to behave like God and, and be a true ambassador of God, I think we need to care about others. We need to care when, the, when things are going badly with others. And so I, I love, you know, Ron and 4ABC and stuff like that. He's out doing stuff. You know, he's helping the homeless. He's helping people who... Uh, you know, are struggling in, in, in community. And, and I mean, Ron's just an easy example to point out. You know, there's a whole bunch of you are involved in, in community stuff and, and doing things. Um, and some of you are, are not in big stuff like that. You're doing little stuff. Deanie, how about you come up here a sec? Beautiful lady. Yes, you. The one called Deanie. Come on up. This woman is incredible. suddenly and it was sad I met her once or twice and she told me a while back oh when I went to pick up my grandchild she said I used to go to Sunday school I said oh did you I never really talked much more about about anything to her but my Larissa rang me and she goes Denny um my brother and his partner can't sleep very well because their mum died at home. 
in their bedroom and they lived together. And she said, do you know of anybody who could come and pray and bless the house? And I know it is a Māori thing where people do tramp the house. And I said, well, I'll ring my pastor and I'll get back to you. And that afternoon I was in the warehouse and who would I meet but Dean? I said, hey, Dean, I want you. (laughs) Anyway... I said, could you come on Monday and um, pray through the house and meet these people? They're not Christians. I don't think they've ever heard about God, but they asked me. And I said, oh, I'm really, I'm, I'm excited about that. And I prayed and I said, God, by your Holy Spirit, you know, move, because this is just the start of bigger things. When somebody asks me or anyone, hey, can you do this? I jumped at it. So did Dean. And I made an appointment and we went. And then they said, oh, the mother died on the Sunday and on the Tuesday the daughter had to have a cesarean to give birth to her baby who had brittle bone disease. How sad was that? Anyway, the baby was, Dean came and the baby was in the crib and Dean prayed for the baby and they just, they just allowed Dean to just come in, a stranger. And he prayed for this baby. And then, you know, prayed in the room where the mum died. And, and then they said to me, oh, well, I think mum's, oh, we'll see mum again in heaven. And I thought, oh, I've heard this so often. But it's actually not true. So I said, well, I said, well, Nathan, I said, you know, Joe, he passed away a year ago. But I said, I know where he is because he asked Jesus to come into his life. And he looked at me and I said, and and I know that I will see him again because I did too. I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and repented of my sins. And I know that I know that I will see Joe again because we are going to heaven. And I... You know, little things like that just came and, and and they just accepted that. They didn't argue. They just accepted what we said. But I believe God's spirit was at work and I believe it's just the beginning of a bigger picture. I was so proud of Deanie. She stood there and she preached the gospel. And she did it in total love, but she preached truth as well into the world. And, and they were open and they were hungry and who knows where it'll go. That, that has been a light. That is walking in the light. That is letting God illuminate our world right there. So as I close, I just want to start, read the same scripture I started with. second one we should live in the light where God is if we live in the light we have fellowship with each other it will impact our relationship with each other for better and the blood sacrifice of Jesus God's son washes away every sin and makes us clean we will be clean 
we will have fellowship with each other, we will help each other, and we will be in a good place with God when we live in the light. I'll pray. Father, I thank you, God, that you care about where we live. You care about whether we live with you or we don't live with you. We care about whether uh, you care about whether we uh, uh, live in your light, whether we bring our situation, our life into your into your world, where you can see, or whether we try and hide amongst the trees like Adam and Eve did. I just pray. Father, that you give us wisdom, give us strength as we journey in you to bring our world into yours, to be at one with you, to walk out your will, to walk out your race. Father, I pray, be with every single person here this week. Help us to shine. Help us to change our world, change our atmosphere, change our situation around us. In Jesus' name. Amen. If anyone wants prayer, if this stirred up anything in your, in your life and you'd like to get prayer, or if you don't know Jesus, and I've been talking about Jesus this morning, about living in God's life, you can come forward, you can talk to us, and we'd love to talk to you and pray with you. So feel free to come forward and do that.